0: This is HuskerOnline.com,
1: your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus taking questions now in the weekly mailbag segment. And uh, a lot of questions as we really unfortunately don't have the key answers you want because this story has changed literally by the day, by the hour, as far as when we're going to see football potentially again. But wanted to. have a question out of the gates here about the draft. Uh, You you go back and look. Last year, guys, Nebraska had two guys drafted on their defensive line, Carlos and Khalil Davis. They both made a 53-man roster. Darian Daniels almost made the 53-man roster for the 49ers, which is one of the best teams in the NFL. They have a great defense, as we know. Almost won a Super Bowl with it. He's on the practice squad. Lamar Jackson signed to a practice squad with the New York Jets. Why wasn't the defense maybe better than people realized last year. And I'll say this my thought was the edge play. I do think they had a really, really good defensive line last year. And a lot of people did not want to run straight at Nebraska. Iowa tried to and they couldn't do it. Um, you know, the the big runs were more on the perimeter, more on the edge because of the lack of play at outside linebacker. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if the defensive line necessarily was the problem. Khalil Davis had one of the more productive D line seasons we've seen since Randy Gregory.
2: I thought more often than not, the defense did play really well for about three quarters and then they wore down in the fourth and games got out of hand. And with the offense doing not much of anything uh, most every week, uh, the, the outcomes of the games ended up the way that they were. And, you know, I've said it many times on here before. This system that Scott Frost runs is not meant to have the defense carrying the team every single week to where they are out points. there winning games. It's about limiting points and creating turnovers. That's all that they're supposed to do. And the offense is supposed to be scoring in bunches to where they pull, they score at such a rate that the other offense starts to press, and that's when the defense can capitalize on mistakes. When you're asking your defense to go out there and stop Big Ten offenses for four full quarters without giving them any sort of padding whatsoever uh, on the other end— these are results you're going to get and until the offense picks up its end. You're going to get results where people are going to say the defense isn't playing well. When in reality, they actually are playing quite well for the most part. Yeah. That's the answer right there. I mean, I felt like the defense took big
0: strides last year, but um, when you, when you're out in the field for however many snaps that Nebraska's defense was out there for, there's eventually there's going to be a breaking point where you wear down or where you give up big plays. And, and I think that's what happened. So, um, yeah, I, I, thought that there were a lot of, there were a lot of talented players in that defense last year and, and they, they made good strides, but, um, it was the, the offense, you know, that, uh, didn't necessarily bail them out at any point
1: guys. And I, I touched on Randy Gregory there. How about Randy Gregory? Um, he's. I mean, what's his role going to be, Robin? With the you're an NFC East guy. I mean, he, is he he's going to have a big role for the Cowboys? It sounds
2: like if he's allowed to play, he's going to start for them because he's their best pass rusher off the edge, and we know that. I mean, there's talent has never been an issue with Randy Gregory. He is an NFL defensive end, through and through. But you know, I don't even know what chance he's on right now. Is it Six, seven, eight. I mean, so he's got another shot. We'll see if he can make the most of it. But uh, you know, history is is not looking good on his side.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you. You hope that
2: you know this is the time where
0: Randy's got it figured out, and and that he can go out there and and show everybody you know what type of what type of player he is, and and that he's overcome some of the the personal demons that he's had to deal with. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not holding my breath necessarily. And he's
2: got such a fine line to walk too. Oh, yeah. Like there's there's not going to be any lenience for him if if you know, it's a small infraction. I mean, he's basically like in a Josh Gordon situation where like if he does have another mistake or whatever, uh, I mean, you're looking at a serious consequence to where you're missing not only multiple games, but maybe even seasons.
1: Yeah. I just remember him at Nebraska, that game at Michigan, his first year, just unbelievable the way he just completely shut down. I mean, the plays he made on, you know, against a pretty good Wolverine team and then that Miami game the next year, um, that was really about the best we saw him play. Then, um, you know the things that he was doing to his body his body kind of wore down by the end of his time where he couldn't even play mm-hmm. um, by season's end he was like 210 pounds yeah, um, yeah. so you, you just hope Randy gets it going uh, Nate recruiting question um, did I hear correctly that the recruiting class size number will be 25 to maybe even 26 um, based on kind of the recent reports of the scholarship numbers
0: yeah I think that You know, early on it looked like this was going to be a a fairly small class and and be, you know, just maybe slightly over 20. Uh, But, you know, given the the current situation and, and the attrition that Nebraska has had, um, yeah, I think that you can expect them to sign a full boat. Uh, if if not, maybe even a player over. Um, you know, and a large large reason why is because I know they've they've gotten uh, they kind of had to petition for for a scholarship back. It was a Henry Gray scholarship, I believe that. They they kind of had to petition for to, to see if they could get that back since he left before really before even he finished an entire semester or right after he f- finished one semester in the spring. Um, so they were able to get a spot back there, and um, you know, and, and I think that when you look at the numbers and how everything's stacking up, I, I think that we're going to see close to a full boat now.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show as as we take your. Questions in the mailbag. High school football is playing. We've seen college now play. NFL opens here this week. Why can't the Big Ten play? I mean, what do you think is holding this up? Um, And, you know, I I think I answered this in the chat this week. Um, I, I just think the landscape of every state is different than Nebraska, different than Iowa, different than Ohio State, where not every team has had the luxury of having their players maybe trained up and working out like we've seen here or or Iowa or Ohio State. So I think there's this notion of coaches in this conference that know their team's not going to be ready to play in October. They know if they do play, they're going to look like Navy did against BYU and not be physically prepared and just get manhandled. You know, if you're Jeff Brom, you lost Rondell Moore. You haven't really had the time with your team you want. You got Bob Diaco who's trying to install a new 3-4. We know what that looks like in year one. <laughs> um, so if you're Braum, yeah, you're pushing towards the spring because you're probably going to be 2-8 and eight if you play in, in October. And I think there's a lot of coaches in this league, unfortunately, that have that thought like, you know what? I'm still going to get the same three-star recruit I'm going to get in the spring that I'm going to get now. I don't recruit rivals 100-250 kids. It doesn't really matter if we play in October or if we play in December or whenever.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure that's a big part of it. I also think, you know, simply put, arrogance, ego, and, uh, you know, politics are probably the driving forces in all of this. Not politics. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'll leave it at that. We'll keep, I don't want to go to the open scrolls here, but uh, (laughs) I mean, that's the, the easy answer. We've talked about it ad nauseum about. Just the fact that, you know, certain people have different viewpoints on the situation and the priority of playing football is much different in people like Nebraska's eyes and other states around the conference. So kind of it's easy answer on that one.
0: Yeah. I I think it's pretty clear that there's a lot of different agendas going on out there and and the other part of it too is i mean you've got university presidents making this decision instead of athletic directors and i think if it were the athletic directors there would be no question that we'd probably be watching big 10 football right now but um you know for the presidents it's you know they're not they're not the ones losing out on 600 and you know however many 700 million dollars as a conference they're still cash and tuition checks yeah they're still cash and tuition checks and that's where their priority is and And, uh, you know, they are probably viewing this whole situation with uh, coronavirus and whatnot through a much different lens than athletic directors and coaches and football players.
1: Now, this is kind of a hard one to answer, but a year from now is Kevin Warren the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. I'm going to say no. Um, And, you know, I don't know if he'll necessarily be fired, but I think what he's probably been through is not what he expected and the damage (laughs) – The damage that this is going to do long-term, his job's not going to be fun, and he's going to probably constantly be the guy blamed, and maybe he should be, maybe he shouldn't be. We don't know all the inside details of the president meetings and council meetings, um, but I don't know. I, I lean towards we probably a year from now won't see Kevin Warren.
2: And so much of it depends on what those other leagues that are playing do. Uh, if, if this blows up in their face and everybody's having to shut down football and they have these massive breakouts, all that stuff, all of a sudden, Kevin Warren and the people that made this decision look pretty smart. And if vice versa, they play successful seasons and the big 10 is just sitting here, like trying to figure out how they're going to play six games in January, uh, yeah, there's no way he survives that. And, you know, to fair or not, he is the, the face of this decision. You know, obviously there's multiple people involved, a lot of decision makers that that led to this, or, you know, so we think. But, you know, Kevin Warren's stamp is on this. His signature is on the decision, uh, and he's, he's the front man. And if it blows up in the Big Ten's face, then he is the guy that's going to be blamed, and uh, for a good majority of it, rightly so. Yeah, and that's what he signed up for when he took the job. I mean, I, I think, well, personally—
0: I don't, I don't think there's any way he survives this. Um, you know, and, and I, again, I'm not saying he's, he's going to be fired, but, uh, if I were him and, and all the other conferences get the season off just fine without a, without a hitch or with very minimal trouble or, or issues that arise, there's no way I, I would, I, I would hightail it out of there because, uh, the backlash that you're going to receive is, is not going to be good. But, um, you know, I, I, just, I keep looking back and saying, asking myself, okay, well, would this be any different if Jim Delaney were in charge instead of Kevin Warren? And I have no
2: doubt that this would be very, very different. Yeah, the decision might be the exact same, but we would have full transparency. Yep. And Jim Delaney would be out there like, this is why I made that decision. I don't care what you think. This is, you know, It's like, been exactly. 10
1: days of silence out of the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, literally, they've it, just been quiet. And the people that were leaking out the stuff that Warren wanted, to, they've been
2: quiet. Yeah, suddenly those sources dried up, huh?
1: So <laughs> it's, it, this tells you there's a lot going on behind the scenes. But we're going to close the show next. We're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, we got out and saw more guys play last week. Uh, we've hit, I believe, eight games now over the first two weeks. So uh, we'll give some thoughts on what we saw. Nate was in Sioux Falls. Uh, I was out at Norris um, Robin got a chance to see Bellevue West, so we'll even uh, include Robin on this, and he can chime in on uh, Bellevue West. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show.